podcast is brought to you by Ancestors. Ancestors is the UK's largest bleach-free, plastic-free and gynaecology-approved period care brand. From 100% organic cotton tampons, pads and liners to reusable period pants and period cups, Ancestors has got you covered. There's no nasties here. Period. Check out our range at Ancestors.com. Welcome to Sisterhood, the podcast with me, Lucy Lettuce, co-founder of period care brand Ancestors. Firstly, I'd like to caveat that when I refer to the word woman in these podcasts, this is referring to anyone assigned female at birth. I want the trans and non-cis community to be included and represented in all conversations discussed in this podcast. Each week on Sisterhood, the podcast, I'll be speaking with a new guest on anything from fertility and infertility to parenthood and beyond. This week, my guest is Paola Weeks, a health visitor and paediatric nurse. She recently released her first book, Goodbye Mummy's Milk, written when preparing her eldest children for the end of their breastfeeding journey whilst experiencing nursing aversion. I'm so excited to have her here today. Welcome, Maria Paola. I'd love for you to maybe introduce yourself. Yes, it's so lovely to be here. Thank you. So I'm Paola. Um, I'm a paediatric nurse and health visitor, currently uh, living and on a short career break um, in London. Um, I have three kids and so my life is very full on. <laughs> I know exactly how hard it I is. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, trying to juggle work, kids and everything else that involves around them. So yes, so I plan to go back in September, so not long now and I'm very much looking forward to it. Amazing. Um, and so tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today. So you say you're a paediatric nurse, so you trained in nursing? Yes. So okay. A while back in 2008, I went okay. to King's College London University okay. and I trained as a paediatric nurse. Absolutely amazing course. I really loved it. Um, I did most of my training at the Evelina London Children's Hospital. Wow. Um, and it's absolute eye-opener. So I did that and I qualified in 2011 and started my first job there on a paediatric orthopaedic ward as a staff nurse. Okay. And there I looked after children with complex neuromuscular diseases undergoing spinal surgery um, and orthopaedic surgery. And we also cared for some children following trauma and other um, surgeries that would happen. And then after that, I moved on to paediatric cardiology, which I absolutely loved. My heart really still is with all the families I cared for there with um, a whole range of children with complex congenital heart disease and acquired heart disease and rearing from uh, brand new neonates up until children in adolescence really and then I did a little bit of intensive care at the same hospital before deciding to go back to university to do a postgraduate uh, diploma in specialist community public health nursing which is the course that you need to do to become a health visitor or a school nurse and it's a year-long course and it was just absolutely incredible you do you learn so much you go into really huge detail on child development and um, it's a massive eye-opener it's quite intense lots of evidence-based research and I got through that pregnant wow. <laughs> with my firstborn and in fact it was not long after the start of the course I found out I was pregnant and I uh, funnily enough I the course was a year obviously pregnancy was nine months <laughs> I, I had three months left before um completing the course when I, I was um my my daughter was born so I ended up um I did all the academic side, in fact, during in labour with what? my... Oh. I know I had my final assignment to do and I just knew I had to get this done before my baby was born. So I was in labour, completing, committing <laughs> it. I was like, I Superwoman. <laughs> and yeah, I then, um, I handed that in, had my baby and then I actually ended up taking 
two years uh, break because my firstborn had some health issues. I really wanted to carry on um, feeding her um, during that time and um, luckily work agreed to just extend my career break and I went back, finished the course, pregnant with my second child. So I then had a whole other year off with her and I went back to work and started my first placement as a health visitor in the heart of the pandemic. It was just at the start. My goodness. And absolute massive changes in the way the health visiting team was delivered. And um, yeah, it was brilliant. And I then went on um, a year later to have my, or a year and a half later, my my son and yeah I'm been a busy that. lady yeah very busy um, and yeah but yeah it's it's been fantastic and so I have to say I'm quite a newly qualified health visitor still even though yeah. I, you know I trained back in twenty fifteen was it yeah twenty fifteen but um, having kids has really shaped me and the person I'm today really and I'm I can't wait to get back because I think I've got a lot more to give yeah definitely <laughs> been through it all well um I, I look forward to kind of maybe touching upon that a bit later um so I'd love to kind of go back to um sort of what led you to sort of to nursing in the first place well I was very young <laughs> I was well I've just finished my A-levels um, okay and I remember going through the UCAS form as you do like what yeah. do I do I I grew up in a really big family in okay. Italy and I always loved children. Um, I pretty much played a huge role in raising my younger siblings and I always okay. knew I wanted to work with children. Yeah. And I loved sciences so much I um, and I just thought, you know what, and at, funnily enough at the time I, I was working as an au pair because I left home at 15. Okay. And I just thought, yep, yeah, I want to work with children. I had absolutely no idea what paediatric nursing, never set foot in hospital, Yeah, you know, really apart from when I was four, I think I had my tonsils. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my first placement was on a paediatric cardiology ward, and I think that's where my passion for cardiac nursing developed. Yeah. And yeah, it was absolute eye-opener and such a privileged position. Amazing. Yeah, it's just gone from there. And then obviously I worked through nursing and um, working as a staff nurse really caring for children who many often would come in with conditions and they had quite um they'd had a very challenging time especially if it wasn't diagnosed antenatally and just knowing the role of the health visitor and helping them you know you know access support and help and identifying actually there was something wrong with their children it was a big eye opener into the world of health visiting and um I was quite keen in how important health um illness prevention is and being in the community to help you know, all these children um, access the right support in a timely manner because it makes massive difference in terms of their future life chances. So Yeah, no, definitely. So I'd love to kind of understand in terms of um, nursing, you mm. kind of mentioned you're a pediatric nurse and then you mentioned also being a health visitor. So how do kind of those roles intertwine and and, and what and for our listeners, what, what is a health visitor? Yeah, so shall I start with what a health visitor yeah, is and then great. I'll talk about how pediatric nursing comes yeah. into it. So First of all, health visitors, we're all um, either paediatric nurses, um, adult or mental health nurses, or we have a background in midwifery. And we all have to complete a very intense um, postgraduate um, diploma, either at degree level or master's level in specialist community public health nursing. And what we do is we we deliver the Healthy Child Programme, which is a it's an evidence-based public health um service which is targeted um to all families so, so there's universal so at universal service level from the antenatal period so our first contact with families around 28 32 weeks of pregnancy and we follow the families on until their child turns five and our role really is in early 
um, intervention and providing health promotion to, to to everyone. And it's it's such a privileged role to to be in because the majority of families don't have a clue what we do. They don't know what we're there for. And we're one of those professions where we do everything and we're everything to everyone, but we provide different roles to them. Yeah. Um, so, for example, for some families, we're just that absolute point of call where they just are really feeling so lonely in their starting parenting and we kind of offer them a lot of um, reassurance and actually it's normal to feel like this and, you know, you're not the only one, I, you know yourself with, with the child I don't know yeah. what your experience was but um it's such a lonely and isolating time and we're all it's such we're all figuring it out and um we all come from complete different backgrounds and we all have different expectations but society definitely points you know provides um this expectation of parenting which is not true at all you know it is really hard and no matter what background you come from um, nothing prepares you for it. Even myself, who I've cared for children <laughs> for the last, I think, 10 years before I became a mother, nothing prepares you for it. And, um, yeah, just someone to say, you know, you're doing a fantastic job. Of yeah. course this is hard. And, you know, but and where you need the support, there is support out there. Yeah. And many people don't think there is support or they don't think that their their difficulties are, are big enough to access support. And, yeah, you'll be surprised what health officers can offer you and where they can signpost you and how you they can help you really get out of such a dark time really yeah no definitely I would say kind of from my experience with a health visitor to be honest pre-pregnancy I didn't know anything about health visitors I obviously knew about midwives and kind of how you interacted with them but I had no idea the sort of postpartum care or support that your community midwife or health visitor would provide for you and baby um I from my perspective um I was I it's a bit confusing because I changed trusts um, during pregnancy. So I think uh, things were a little confusing in terms of who was covering my my care from that perspective. Uh, but I was assigned a um, health visitor from um, discharge at, uh, at the hospital. And to be honest, I was contacted almost 24 hours later to kind of set up that first um, uh, appointment postpartum. Um, antenatally, I didn't have any kind of health visitor um, contact, but... I mean, to be honest, I, I, I mean, who knows? You can always have more support, but you know, I, I didn't feel like I was missing out. Um, so yeah, so I had contact reasonably soon um, after my son was born, and then I had my first appointment. And yeah, I mean, the the um, the health visitor that I had was great. Um, I would say, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I found that um, the health visitor support, as opposed to the kind of the midwifery support postpartum was it almost even much more focused on me than on baby from like all my midwife appointments it was sort of you know um the heel prick test and weighing baby and feeding whereas my health as appointment was much more you know as you did sort of touch upon you know how are you feeling how you know how are you finding it are you having any challenges you know potentially touching upon breastfeeding um you know do you have family to support you? It was much more the sort of wraparound of you and baby as a unit as opposed to, you know, you've just brought a new human into the world. Are they okay? I don't know, yeah, if you have anything to add to that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we our priority is both the, the parent and the child. Yeah. So as well as doing a health assessment on the child, it's not a tick box exercise. I mean, we have a whole page of things that we need to cover, but yeah. our priority is both both of you. And yeah. that's fantastic. Your health is to really help you feel that, you know, you matter too, because often so many parents feel like in pregnancy, it's all about 
bump and, and mum and then the baby comes and everyone forgets about <laughs> the parents, yeah. sorry. Um, and, yeah, it's, you know, that is our role. It's to explore all areas of life. I mean, we do cover, as I said, the health of the baby, but we look into family relationships, dynamics, housing, um, finances, to really find out where can we support you. And relationships and uh incredibly important and, and what support you have around you because that you know we we can't raise babies on our own we really do need a whole network around us and if you've not got that it's important that the health minister can signpost you to services and many people say the health minister is is their village actually mm. because it's the only person that actually sees them yeah and can see what a struggle it is um being a parent and they can sort of help them you know get out the house yeah and yeah to meet other friends and and make new friends because many yeah. parents especially if it's your first child you all many either you're in other yeah. you don't have any yeah, yeah other friends, yeah basically no definitely so, I think one thing that I'll say about the kind of yeah the health as a side and even to be honest I didn't have this but I know other trusts do is it's sort of the first time in your life that someone other than like friends and family and I don't know an external you know someone comes into your house and it like that in itself is a very intimate feeling connection you know and especially yeah you know so soon after birth you've got this little newborn who obviously you're sort of hyper sensitive and and protective um about and I think you know just just with that comes sort of an immediate sense of for a lot of people like relief and sort of yeah that support of I don't need to go out to find some support that I might need immediately. Like they're coming to me, and I think I, I you know, I didn't know that as well um, before I before I had Ruben. So it's nice that um, you know for listeners to know that if you are struggling and if you're going through, you know, you are feeling quite lonely. Actually, and you know, I, my health and so was like this. They sort of just literally turn up at your door, come through, you know, sit down you know, off the book of tea or, you know, whatever. And I think that's a really, like, yeah, nice, reassuring relationship yes. that a lot of women do need. A hundred percent. And not, the relationship is the most important thing because if you've not got a relationship with your health visitor, it's going to be very, very challenging to get all the help you yeah. really need and to open up because, yeah. as you say, first time someone's walking into your house, you feel vulnerable, this is your home. Yeah. And, you know, they're coming in there. And I think... They're coming in to help you and yeah. guide you. They're not there to judge you. If you do need support, they're mm. there to help you find where, you know, what yeah. your needs are and, and access that support. So, yeah, it's important to, to yeah. be aware that we're not there to <laughs> how messy your house is. Well, exactly. Is, I think, you know, just had a newborn, like <laughs> nappies or, you know, um, dirty clothes or, you know, and just the sort of the things that, um, yeah, that sometimes you find in um, a house where there is a newborn yes. uh, for at least a couple of weeks, or maybe any months. Child. <laughs> or any child, exactly. Maybe my house is still a bomb exactly. seven years down the line. Exactly. So or even anyone without children, also totally yes. fine. Um, no, exactly. And and so we mentioned um, sort of the um, that to be a health visitor, you have to have that professional training. How does, therefore, being a paediatric nurse play into your role as a health visitor? I mean, do women sort of require often medical support? You know, I guess at what different touch points do you support women um, being a health visitor? So... It's, you don't have to be a paediatric nurse, you can be any sure. nurse, so whether it's an adult nurse, mental health nursing, I think the fundamental is having that, those sciences behind you, so the, 
the first year of your nursing training it's very similar all in all aspects of nursing um but in terms of identifying we're there to assess a mother's um uh, health and well-being as well after in the postpartum period so those first few visits we do one at 10 between 10 and 14 days and then we do another one at six weeks is to assess that you know we look at um we assess uh, maternal mental well-being and parental and uh, mental well-being but also are there any other issues uh, post delivery you know especially with bleeding and there can be lots of issues in terms of recovery it is usually the midwife's responsibility if there are any um, health problems to stay in touch and with either the mother or the baby sorry the parent or the baby um, until 30 days and then we take over but um, it's about signposting right. um, and there are many issues that um, many people have post-birth in terms of with pain with um, with bleeding painful sex and that kind of stuff and contraception so that's where the nursing part comes in from a child point of view we we're there to assess for health needs so when we go in if the child we assess the child's general health so we look out for you know we look at the child's breathing their color any signs that there could be an underlying health condition basically um genetic condition um so that's where what our pediatric nursing comes in and then we also work with families whose children do have you know um complex health needs and we're there to help monitor that but um usually you will get a specialist health visitor or community nurse that works with the more complex families so sure so yeah i remember reuben had jaundice um and it seemed at the time that was something that yeah the the health visitor saw quite a lot and that was quite reassuring because i think it was at that maybe yeah the first um appointment and i think yeah lots of things going on and obviously the color of your baby is reasonably front forefront of your mind uh, so it was great to have that conversation about him um, as well as yeah kind of numerous other things but you mentioned um, 10 to 14 days and then six ish weeks is it yes around six to eight weeks we do another visit um usually at home if we can uh, during the pandemic it varies yeah. depending on which part of the the uk you you live in but um, during the pandemic often that visit for some boroughs it, they will missed out on it completely right because there was a whole redeployment of health visitors into other areas of nursing yeah. um but in general and that's all back to normal now um, every family should be receiving their six to eight week uh, check and again it's it's very similar it looks at the health of the baby um at the health of the, the parents sees how you're adjusting it's such a massive change that's you know when babies are six to eight weeks there's so many changes <laughs> going on so we're there to support with anything um, Definitely. And then after the six to eight week one, when is the next kind of touch point that you might have? So the next touch point is when your baby's between eight months and a year. Okay. So your child will have their first health review, which is a very intense, um, I don't know, has Ruben had his health review? He hasn't yet, but he does have it booked in. Okay, it's coming up. So there we we do a whole review of your child's health and development. We provide the opportunity to see if they're achieving within their expected level and range of development. So we look at communication, um, gross motor skills, fine motor skills, problem solving, and it just allows us the opportunity to identify any children who may have some delays and it helps us signpost to a developmental paediatrician or physiotherapy, occupational therapy um, to help identify if there's some issues with that. And it also allows us the opportunity to provide more health promotion to make sure that we remind you about the next set of immunizations. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a long, it's an hour long appointment and we'll check your baby, your baby's weight and, and height and check that, that 
yeah. as they're growing and, and thriving. So the thing that's interesting is I do have, we do have Ruben's appointment booked in, but it's actually, it wasn't through my health visitor. I'm, okay. I don't know kind of who, um, who the appointment will be with. Um, but yeah, weirdly, the health visitor that I had contact with before hasn't communicated with me about that. I don't know if that's that's usual or that's maybe just how, I don't know, the trust that I'm in works. It might be the trust. Unfortunately, I have to say, within the health system team, there's been huge cuts. um, And unfortunately, funding is a massive problem. In fact, when I do get back back to work, it is something I want to work with. So what is happening is many... Um, members of the health sitting team are having to cover in. So these five um, universal visits that are usually delivered by health visitors are being delivered by nursery nurses who are also very thoroughly trained, um, but they're not health visitors. So what they will do if they identify any concerns, they then liaise with the health visitor and then the health visitor will come back to you and speak to you and, and do the referrals if any referrals need to come on. So that's probably what's happened in your situation. Right. And um the have you been sent an ASQ form? Is that where there's lots of like tick boxes? Yes. 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 So <laughs> that is quite a fun thing to do, and I do recommend to do it before and um, with your child, so you have the opportunity to practice these skills. Because yeah. We don't expect children to achieving all of those skills at, at that age, um, and you know some take practice, and it's a great time to just say, oh, I have practiced this with him, and then you might see that you know he's actually now not yeah. doing it, but by the time you see your health is uh, they're, they're doing it and. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's really great. And what did you call it? Sorry, an ASQ form. Yes, it's an ages and stages questionnaire. There we go. Very yes. useful. Yeah, <laughs> when we first received that, I was, I did, I looked through all the questions. So interesting. I mean, these yeah. things that kind of happened day to day, and you, like, oh, this has happened, um, and then you see that it's a fine motor skill, and that's great. <laughs> Tick. Yes, he's doing that. Um, so yeah, and no. if they're not, not to worry because yeah. we don't expect them to be ticking off all boxes. But um, it does give us an idea in um, the way we grade it. It will allow us either to give you some activities to practice at home, and then we'll say we'll review in you know four weeks or two months, or it will allow us to say actually let's get the referral in now. It might be that we'll come back in a month or two, and your child's doing all of those, and you don't need to worry. But at least the referrals in, and they they will access the right services if they do need them later on. Yeah, no, definitely. And then in terms of, um, so for our listeners, obviously um, they might not necessarily know about kind of health visitors and how health visitors might support them um, antenatally or postnatally. But I wondered if you had or had experienced any sort of misconceptions with what a health visitor does or I don't know, you know, what what, um, a baby, what what a situation the mother and the baby should be in when the health visitor comes or what they should be have achieved in the first kind of days or weeks. I don't know if there's any kind of wisdom that you can share to sort of put new mums at ease about, you know, this whole process and that, as you mentioned earlier, you know, it's very much there to support them and to be wraparound as opposed to judgment or, or anything like that. I think the biggest thing is that we're there for everybody, okay? No matter how big or small you'll think your problems <laughs> are, we're there for you, for, for everyone. And obviously... Certain families will need us more than ever, and that's why we offer targeted, um, additional targeted services to vulnerable families. Um, but the biggest thing is we're not there to judge how messy your house is. I mean, obviously, if there's a lot going on and we turn up and, you know, you've got rat droppings in the kitchen, yeah. <laughs> you know, these yeah, kind of things. Of course. But all of that is an indicator to us, say, actually, this is where you need support with. Let's get some 
special some specific services in to come in and help you with with this but um yeah we're there to be the point of call for you really and we're probably the only people you can contact and know that even if we don't know the answer we'll find out the answer <laughs> for you and we will chase um appointments and things like that so if we do need to work we work with a multi-agency so whether it's chasing appointments with the GP with the pediatric hospitals um, any areas of concern that you have about your child's health are, we are really the first people to contact and um, if you do have a negative experience with your health visitor um, just speak to the health visiting team leads and get another health visitor because um, and also don't go by what other people have told you because unfortunately some people will have very negative experiences for whatever reason and they will automatically say, oh, no, I don't need a health visitor. They're coming in to judge me and tell me what to do. That's not what we do. We're there to um, just be that point of call to help you access further, service, uh, further services and ensure that your child received the best start in life. Um, and, yeah, we're there to answer everything related to your child's health, their development, and even things like bonding and attachment. It's so important and it is um, a main focus of ours is to talk to you about how you can... Um, support your child and improve that relationship and, and things like that and yeah we cover everything it's um definitely yeah no I yeah I have to say my my health visitor was very helpful with kind of any questions or support that I needed so um yeah that, that's been my yes. experience anyway so um so more of a sort of a personal question now so yes. kind of what is there anything that you find difficult about being a health visitor is, or, or even a pediatric nurse and kind of previous experiences yeah is there anything that you that you struggle with and um that, that you yeah you'd be happy to share I think the biggest thing I struggle with is not enough time. Um, unfortunately, our caseloads are getting bigger and bigger and families are needing us more and more. And you want to be, you know, you go to visit, and you know, you've only got an hour for this visit and you're there and there are so many things that you need to support and unpick. And it's time. I struggle with time management, definitely, because I just want to keep giving it <laughs> to, to families. Um Sometimes things are tough, but the majority of the time in terms of you're dealing with quite intense, complex family dynamics where you're having to offer a lot of support um, with and you need, um, you know, you're working with lots of different teams and it can be quite heavy. Um, but actually, the majority of families you work with, they all want that support, regardless of whatever circumstances they're in. They all want the best for their children. And, and that's what's so special about it is that, you know, it's a relationship. And once you've got that relationship, you know that that child's, you know, future life chances forever are going to be improved. And um, yeah, the first five years are so crucial and particularly the first 1,001 days. Um, from Ooh, conception that's yeah. a new phrase I've had. I haven't heard that before Thousand days. it's where we base a lot of our health promotion for and that's why the five key services that I mentioned the antenatal visit the, the 10 to 14 day um, newborn check and then the six to eight week check then we've got the health review and I did mention the two year health review right. as well which after when your Ruben will have as well when they're yeah. between two two and a half those are all within those first thousand one days and it's the experiences your child experiences from conception um, to age two play a massive um, role in their future life chances. So that's why we try to get early intervention then to prepare them to be school ready. And, so yeah. interesting. I've never it heard is, that. It is interesting. If you have a Google, there's, there's so wow. much evidence and research on, on that. Yeah, and, um, no, I'm How not important it is. And, so um, important. 
Yeah. And then perhaps a little bit more obvious, but what what do you love about your job? What's the best thing that you, yeah? Again, funnily, it's the relationships with families. It's seeing how much, how meaningful our visits are um, to everyone. I think it's really rare to do a visit and not be wanted. In fact, you know, <laughs> um, usually those visits, parents won't open the door to you <laughs> um, before they've even met you. But um, yeah. No, it's for me. It's a relationship. It, it's such a special, it, uh, you know, it's such a special and privileged position to be in. Um, and as you say, you, you feel so vulnerable as a new parent, yeah. inviting these strangers into your life who are seeing all your family dynamics, mm. and you do feel like people are judging. But I promise you, we're not <laughs> there to say. Have you tried this? Um, yeah. yeah. So um, you mentioned earlier about sort of, yeah, a health visitor's role being kind of um, signposting to sort mm-hmm. of different resources or support. Um, just, I guess, from the outset, are there any other resources that you could recommend to any listeners if they are perhaps in like this po- postpartum phase or even antenatally and, you know, they're struggling to find the support that they want or that they think they might need? Yes. So, sorry, the health visitors, we also pro- provide a lot of health promotion. We talk nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> about how we can support your child's health in terms of we provide um, he- healthy eating, infant feeding support, um, immunisation, education. A lot of that advice you'll get from your own health visitor. Um, there there are websites out there, but um, for me, the main, most important thing is that you go to your actual own health visitor because all the services are different. Have a look on what's on your local offer page on, um, on your own website and your own boroughs. Um, website so I mean if you want to find out a little bit more about health visitors there's the Institute of Health Visiting which does have a family page there's not much on there but it just says what's a health visit what is a health visitor what to expect and there are some really lovely videos on there for you to see how much health visiting has changed um, these families and shaped these families they they give some really lovely feedback Um, but um, yeah you will get that health (laughs) you know you will have a health visitor come to your house every family will get that um, when their baby's about 10 14 days old so if you might have missed that antenatal contact you'll uh, yeah it's it's really rare that we we don't get notified of a child being born. <laughs> yeah. um, so then moving on to um, a couple of questions about you and a bit more about kind of how your experience um, as, as a mum has changed um, the way you work. So I'd love to, yeah, to understand if um, and in what ways having your own children has impacted the work that you do and has, I know we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, how how it's shaped your kind of day-to-day and, and how you approach um, your job, yeah, as a, as a health visitor. Yes, well, I think... It's where to start? <laughs> I know, where do you start? I, I know exactly how, how hard it is and um, I'm still figuring it out. You know, my eldest is nearly seven and, you know, every day is a learning day for, for me too. Um, but I think often when you speak to families, they, knowing that you've been there and you understand, sometimes they, they feel a bit more understood and they can open up a little bit more to you. In fact, I was pregnant a lot during <laughs> when I was health visiting. So families always saw me that I was, you know, yeah. pregnant and it did help them relate a little bit more. It's a bit like, you know, when you have your first child and everyone around you isn't pregnant and you've never been around anyone with, with children and you mm. meet that person in the cafe and you're like, oh, you've got a baby. <laughs> Can we sit together? Can we talk? You know, what, what's, what are you finding hard and, and yeah. what's working for you? Um, but, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I'm sure to, to um, mirror what you said, I think from having a child, actually, if anything, it just makes you... 
I guess, inside feel that empathy for any situation, no matter what it is, whether it's someone, you know, wanting to breastfeed and struggling to breastfeed or whether it's someone who, yeah, is struggling perhaps with their mental health or, you know, they're worried about their baby's weight. I think it's um, sort of, yeah, understanding that they're very real concerns and that many, many women do have them. In fact, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I think it's probably more likely to say that, sorry, it's probably fair to say that you're more likely to have those feelings than not. Um, Because, you know, after birth, there's there's so many things going on, you know, a massive change in your life, um, you know, hormones, just that sort of uh, change, you know, matrescence is is such a big topic spoken at all about matrescence yeah and that, that shift to, to parenthood is is absolutely huge and we all feel it and it happens every time you have the baby it's you know it's it never goes away and it's um yeah I don't know if you have you done a podcast on matrescence I haven't specifically but it has come up quite a lot yes. <laughs> I mean it's it's massive it's important and and again you know I didn't really know much about it until I did the podcast or until I had oh, okay. a baby myself and I think yeah, it, it's it's so interesting and it's it's so true and there's there's so much kind of in, well now now we're talking about it more and there is more information on it and yeah this this very real reality um, of yeah this this big change in in women's life and um, that's actually part partly why I want to do the podcast in the first place so. Yes, and I, I think, um, funny enough, the term matrescence, I only came across it about a year ago when okay. I stumbled across, I'm sure you've seen Alexandra Sachs. Have you seen her TED yeah, Talk, which yeah. is absolutely yeah, yeah. phenomenal? And I was just like, how? This was out four years ago. And, <laughs> and, and this is what we do when we visit families. It's really helping with that transition to parenthood and yeah. the change in them physically, emotionally, spiritually, in all aspects. And all these feelings of this ambivalence is all completely normal and you know, in, yeah, it's it, it's important to speak to families about yeah. it. So everyone listening to me, go, <laughs> yeah. go and learn. There you go, there's a great resource. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I'd love now to discuss your book. So um, for mm. any listeners listening, um, I have Goodbye Mummy's Milk in front of me. It's a lovely, lovely book. Please do tell me a little bit about this. Yes, so Goodbye Mummy's Milk. I wrote this when my first was about two and a half years old okay. and I was really struggling with... Um, with breastfeeding I was experiencing nursing aversion which um, I don't know if you've ever heard about nursing aversion (laughs) I'd love for you to explain no please do well I have to say Zainab Yates is the best person to talk about um, nursing aversions but it's when you experience significant feelings of rage anger um, frustration just intense some people experience intense pain and you basically can have like a skin crawl just talking about it makes mm. my skin crawl yeah a skin crawling sensation when you're breastfeeding and you have a real urge to unlatch your child mm. and for me um who always wanted to wait for my firstborn daughter to end their breastfeeding when they were ready I was completely you know, naive to, to the fact that I could possibly have these feelings and they started appearing when I was pregnant with my second daughter and everyone had told me that they would go away once the baby was here. So I, I pushed through, I pushed through pregnancy and um, it was a really hard time for me. And anyway, my second born was arrived. I had a week of no nursing aversion. It was the most amazing thing. And then it just came back 
more than ever and it was really hard and I was like I can't do this anymore I had a newborn and a toddler my toddler was feeding more than my newborn <laughs> and I had a, a newborn that was sleeping 20 20 22 hours a day literally wow. and I had this toddler that just was constantly glued to me and I just put all my feelings down in this book and I was so honest and open with my toddler about look this is how much breast milk my milk means to you mm. I can see it I can hear you but this is how hard it is and yeah I I wrote it and I she then one day I was snuggling in bed with her after reading this over and over with her and she just um waved she waved at my breast kissed my boobs goodbye and she believe it or not she she didn't feed again and I think it was a really nice opportunity to help her understand um, that I'm still here for you. I'm still yeah. your mother. I'm still going to be always respond for you, and we'll find new ways to parent because you know by the time you know once you, it's breastfeeding established, you really do well. Particularly myself, you parent through breastfeeding, so it was yeah. a really hard, um, hard way to end it. But yeah, the book helps support with that, and it also celebrates what you've done, whether you've breastfed for one feed or you you know or a few weeks or months or years. You know, you yeah. have to celebrate that you're you know. You've changed your child's life forever. Yeah. And those benefits will last a lifetime, you know, <laughs> and yeah, celebrate that and treasure that and be proud of what you've achieved. And I, I hope this book um, <laughs> definitely helps give give that feel. I, I've had some lovely feedback about it. And so for listeners that would like to buy it, they where can they purchase it? So it's available to purchase on Amazon Great. at the moment. And then once I go back to work, I'll probably, I will be um, having a book available, hopefully in stores and um, in local libraries and things. So, and if anybody, who runs um, any infant feeding cafes and stuff wants wants a copy do get in touch with me and we'll see what we can do perfect Um, great thank you well thank you for um, explaining a little bit about it it honestly is the most um, beautiful book and beautiful illustrations as well so for anyone listening um, please do buy a copy so um, Ancestors is of course a period care brand so I always like to ask my guests a little bit about periods or menstruation and potentially how it relates to their role so you mentioned earlier about um health visitors and potentially a visit at 10 to 14 weeks or maybe even the six to eight week so, one yeah. yeah i'd love to just understand kind of what the communication is for either of those those um uh appointments and whether you know what the conversation is around periods and how women kind of yeah postnatally can get support for whether it is sort of uh, potentially heavy period pains or contraception yeah a- anything around around that really yes yeah, so during that new birth visit at 10 to 14 days we always talk to to the birthing parent about um their locure and whether that has reduced we want to make sure that um, things are settling down um it's this six to eight week check where often you 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 turn up and parents are thinking oh I think my periods have come back because their bleeding has started so that gives us uh, you know a good opportunity to signpost if there are any concerns and talk about contraception um you know we we talk about that quite a lot um talking about um using organic cotton and reusable pads and cups and things like that um but unfortunately our role doesn't cover that <laughs> um, but it's the same with cloth nappy yeah you know it's absolutely you really do need to think about the environment and um um, the many, many boroughs offer, for example, um, vouchers for yeah. nappies and things like that. So yeah. it's just letting parents know, do you know what, well, actually, this is 
this is what is available to you and have you considered this but um, unfortunately we're, even though we're, the massive benefits <laughs> for the planet and yeah and, <laughs> yeah, and for women <laughs> and for women of course and yeah. health you know our, it is health promotion you're Definitely. right you know stopping people from using all these yeah. products which are filled with yeah. plastics awful things and, <laughs> awful yeah, things terrible things yeah. but um that's not out there, but it is something which I do think one day, hopefully, will be incorporated in health promotion because yeah. it plays a massive role. Definitely. No, definitely. So, on to the next section. So, I'll ask you a question. There's absolutely no right or wrong answer. Just the first thing that comes to your head um, for listeners to get to know a little bit more about you. So, the first question is your favourite quote, motto or affirmation? Oh, gosh, this is the worst question to ask me because I really believe in affirmations. I think they're fantastic. Too many. <laughs> no, I just uh, don't use them because oh. I'm one of these people who my life is too busy and <laughs> And I'm currently also training as a mindful breastfeeding practitioner. Wow. So I, I should have something to... Um, <laughs> Uh, maybe just keep going maybe that's yours maybe (laughs) keep going as yours just you know Um, just power on it's believe in yourself and be be kind to yourself we all mess up honestly like parenting you you don't have to be a perfect parent you do mess up and you just need to be good enough and I think yeah be kind to yourself because you know we're only trying our best and we can't do more than that yeah um yeah that's a good one um how much sleep are you currently averaging a night <laughs> Brilliant question. Um, I have absolutely no idea. Do you know why? Because I don't look at my clock overnight. I don't register. A lot of people have said this. Um, I think I bed share with my son, and he goes. He, he's just had his tonsils and adenoids out, actually, and, and sleep's got much better. Um, but there are nights where he's feeding all night long, but I count that as sleep. It's yeah. more my elder children coming into my bed, which drive me up the wall. <laughs> but um, yeah, okay. I don't know. If I'm lucky, but that's broken okay. sleep. But I'm happy mm. with that. <laughs> I think I really think people, yeah, need to know the difference between sleep and broken sleep because potentially I would get maybe eight hours a night, but it's broken sleep into maybe even eight chunks. You know, sometimes it's and and, and eight chunks of broken sleep is very different to eight hours. Um, yeah, yes. that's one thing that I seem to be discussing with people a lot recently: the difference between sleep and broken sleep. Um, what's your best parenting hack? So anything for like travel or entertainment or anything? Um, good question. <laughs> I'm just winging it, so honestly. <laughs> totally right no hack. Um, I don't know. I think the best, the, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> give, me, give me a few minutes yeah, for this. Yeah, that's so fine. Best parenting Take hack. your time. I would say self-care which I haven't figured out. <laughs> well, that one actually leads me on to the next one, which is best piece of advice for a new mum on how to look after herself. Um, I think having big, if they've got a partner, a, a big conversation with them and how they can help them find time for themselves. That doesn't involve going to the toilet by yourself or having a shower because that isn't self-care. Um, obviously, it's a lot more challenging for f- families who haven't got any support and don't have a partner um but yeah fine tricky yeah great um so the next section is questions it's impossible to answer so i only have one of these and this is just a sort of yeah again no right or wrong answer but in your experience Mm. and you know from professional experience and also personal experience something that i think definitely in that sort of postpartum phase how do i know if my baby is okay 
Because you love them. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Um, and then the final section um, is um, Mythbusters, which is I'll say something to you and you can say whether or not it's true or false. And it is, will my health visitor always contact me before my baby is born or after my baby is born? That's, it's false. As in, I can't answer. <laughs> they Fine. should do. Fine. They should contact you before your baby's born. Definitely. Fine. Perfect. Right. Well, thank you so much um, for chatting with me today. Um, those first weeks of kind of, yeah, newborn life are so, so important. Um, and I think making the most out of your health visit appointments is super beneficial for both mum and baby. Very important that mum and baby. Um, and partners too. And partners too, the whole family. It's something I haven't touched so much on, but we really do encourage for partners, if possible, to, to be around because... Um, for everyone, you need that support and, and partners need support because that transition to parenthood affects everybody. Definitely. You know, we haven't touched about it, but, you know, oxytocin doesn't just happen and is released when you're breastfeeding or just when you've given birth. It happens with touch. And I think that's something that we could do a whole different podcast. <laughs> but the more you touch your baby, whether yeah. you've birthed them or not, so that helps with bonding and attachment. And yeah, we, everyone no absolutely that's so important so I'm, I'm really glad that you did um so thank you so much for listening join me next week when i'll be joined um by hannah from little nest sleep hope you enjoyed this episode and if you haven't already please do follow share save and review episodes mm-hmm.